I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined, as always, with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. And you can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes and leave us a five star rating. That's where you can find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. If you're not familiar to what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around. Well, it's the same thing here, except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're going to kick off our NFL team previews in the Cypher, and in this episode, we'll take a look at the Houston Texans and some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. So, Teron, I'll let you kick this one off with your opening question. Yeah, well, my opening question is going to start off under center. They were able to move up and get Deshaun Watson. I want to know how soon before Watson becomes a starter down there in Houston. I mean – I mean, I'll, I'll take this one, and uh, I, it has to be sooner rather than later. You know, um, there's things that you can do to kind of get him uh, involved and, and get him acclimated to the play speed of the NFL and keep him doing some of the things that he did in college, some of the things that he was good at. And you don't have to overcoach him into being a drop-back passer and all this other stuff. Let him do the things that he's good at, and all the, the Texans need to do is put a few points on the board, and that defense will hold it down for them. So I, I, I don't understand uh, who you got, you, Tom Savage, uh, Brandon Whedon. Um, you know, neither one of them, talent-wise, has what Deshaun Watson has. Um, it, it, it's got to be sooner rather than later. I would, he would be my week one starter. Saying that Brandon Whedon's still on the roster frustrates me, but I'm going to move to the actual question. Uh, I actually think he gets named the starter sooner than later, meaning week three of the, the preseason. Everything that keeps coming out of their camp says that Tom Savage is the starter, and I think that he is the incumbent because he's been in the system. But with the way that they're responding to Deshaun Watson and the comments that the coaching staff's making, he's literally the starter. They just haven't named him yet. So I think that they're going to get everyone used to it. It seems like he's already won over that locker room, and it just doesn't make sense to start Savage knowing what you already know about him, which is that he is your backup quarterback of the future a guy who may be able to come in and win you a game or two, but you can't hinge your your season on this guy. And we all know that you, you mainly get better by playing. So he's got to get out there and start the season. Yeah, I, I hate when NFL teams do this dog and pony show. You drafted this dude in the first round, traded up to draft him in the first round for a reason. I wouldn't even play around and be like, yo, he's a starter, period. I don't care about Tom Savage's feelings or Brandon Whedon's feelings, you know, they have to understand you're the reason why we're in this situation in the first place. So 
if it were me, I would have named him the starter as soon as we handed him that jersey and that hat on draft night. Like, yo, you the starter. These other two dudes going to back you up. Matter of fact, come get his bags and put him in the trunk of the car. And why he get, you know, get, you know, put him on that float and have him waving and everything like that. So I think he needs to be named the starter right away. Start getting him even more familiar with the offense. So that way it won't be any adjustment period uh, come week one of the regular season. I completely and totally agree, um, Emory. I, I don't, I never understand what all of this, you know, what all of this confusion is about. When you draft a guy as, the, as your first round pick as a quarterback, you're essentially saying we're drafting our starter right now. I, outside of when Green Bay, you know, drafted Aaron Rodgers, I mean, has there been a place that had a quarterback on position that was stable and then they went ahead and took? a, a first-round draft pick on another quarterback. You don't really see it. I mean, even in the situation with um, uh, uh, Drew Brees many years ago where he was drafted and then they came back behind him and, and drafted their quarterback of the future, they didn't really know Drew Brees was going to be Drew Brees, but they, they had a, a, a damn good inkling that, you know, the guy that they drafted uh, was going to be they're starter for the next 13 to 15 years, and lo and behold, we're sitting here and still looking at, you know, him 20 kids later or whatever he's got right now. I can't even um, keep, keep track of it. So when you, when you think about what Deshaun Watson has and what he brings to the table, it only makes sense that you put him in because all the deficiencies that you might have on offense can be covered up by the fact that he brings that extra element of athleticism. Right while also being a better passer and a better just straight-out flatline quarterback than Tom Savage will ever be. Yeah, and when I look at this, uh, I look at, at a team that is ready to win now. This is a team who has a top-three defense, and this franchise just can't continue to afford to piss these opportunities away by having guys like Brock Osweiler, uh, like, like Brian Hoyer at quarterback, or in this case, Tom Savage. So at, at a certain point, you have to go ahead and, and you bring in a guy that can definitely help take this team over the hump and make that offense move. And that's what Deshaun Watson brings. And as Gene pointed out, when all else fails, he you always have a guy that can, that can still make a play. And he's no stranger to coming in and, and taking an organization to the next level. You look at what he did at Clemson. I mean, everybody ha has looked at everyone else uh, as far as the quarterback position is concerned uh, coming out. But they don't really consider how great of a run he had there at Clemson. You know, we're talking about a guy who led them to a, a national championship game, almost almost beat them, and then the following year he led them to the title. So I'm not sure what more Deshaun Watson could do as a college prospect, but he put himself in what should be a position to become an immediate starter. And at the end of the day, why not give him the opportunity to take over immediately and take this franchise to the next level? I mean, it's very similar to how some of the, the other younger quarterbacks coming into the league that helped their, their team, you know, whether it be Ben Roethlisberger when he first got there and helped them get to the next level. I think the best example is something similar to what the Seahawks did and how good they got right away when Russell Wilson came in and led them. So this is what you can have on your hands if you allow Deshaun Watson to, to play. Or even it's not even a matter of allowing him to play. You allow that competition to be an actual fair competition and not lean it towards Tom Savage. Just allow the best player to play. And that's why I think Deshaun Watson 
will be the starter right away as far as uh, when the season opens. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you there, Teron. And um, I, uh, you know, since you addressed the uh, most important position over there on the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to take it over to the defensive side of the ball and talk about a player that's, you know, been a shining star for the Texans for some years now. Uh, my question is, uh, have we seen the last of J.J. Watt as an elite defensive end? I'm going to answer it and then explain why. I'm going to say no. We haven't seen the last of him as an elite defensive end. Just looking at the fact that J.J. Watt was in the consideration or in the conversation as the league MVP, not just defensive player of the year, uh, we might not see that MVP caliber J.J. Watt anymore. But being elite, he's definitely, even if he doesn't have the same exact physical skill set, he's going to get smarter. He's going to learn how to use his, his, his technique even more. And I think he'll still be an elite defensive end. He just may not be the guy who bats down 19 passes, 22, 21 sacks or whatever it was crazy he had a couple of years ago. So he'll still be elite, though. You know, elite is kind of tough because I worry about the injuries when you look at a guy that it's tough when you look at him under the same scope of a Clay Matthews. These guys that all of a sudden just start getting hurt year after year. You sort of wonder, why are you getting hurt? And I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Mm. So – I don't think he's going to be elite. I still think he'll be a very good player, but it's just weird that this guy all of a sudden now is starting to break down. And, you know, when you have guys like Julius Peppers that are still playing at a higher level, you know, 37 years old, close to 40 years old, but this guy, J.J. Watt, who's phenomenal, his body is starting to break down. You wonder why as much as he trained, as much as he takes care of his body and posts it on Instagram and Twitter and things like that, you just wonder why. And again, I'm not saying I'm, but I'm saying that's why I don't think he'll be this elite 20 sack guy again. I think he'll be a very good, obviously, double digit sack player, though. That was extremely cute, Emery. And I like how you didn't say, but you said, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my belief, um, because I think that this is something that hasn't been spoken about very much in open circles. But people have had to ask that question behind the scenes. This is a guy who went to Central Michigan as a tight end, went and walked on at Wisconsin, spent the year, and all of a sudden came back as this behemoth defensive end at Wisconsin. How often do you see a jump like that where someone goes from being non-existent at, at a smaller school to one of the best ever at a large school? Now, I'll say this for him. His hustle can't be denied. He's a hustler. He hustles. But Emory brings up the point of his body breaking down. And we know that long-term elite-level athletes, they have a natural ability to sustain athleticism for a long time. That's why, that's why Jerry Rice was never a 4-2-40 guy. But he was a 4-5 dude forever. He was a 4-5, 4-6 guy forever. And so... He, he sustained that athleticism. So when he got older, his athleticism didn't, um, didn't, didn't deny him. Um, the same with Julius Peppers. Um, I'll even give you a, a, another comp that I, that I think about. I, and, and his name just jumped out of my head, but he played for the Panthers. Um, um, Green. Green, he played for the Panthers, played for the Steelers. Kevin Green, um, yeah. Yes. He played for a long time at defensive end, and Why? because he had a natural athleticism to him that allowed his body to hold up over the years. 
This dude, J.J. Watt, just disappears and goes away into seclusion for a couple months every offseason. And then he comes back as Superman. Well, Superman doesn't have to go to a retreat and build up his super strengths. He just goes into a phone booth and comes back out Superman. And so I think what's happened to J.J. Watt is that all of a sudden his retreat needs to be longer and longer because he has to get more and more out of whatever it is he does when he's behind those closed doors for months on end. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm not saying that he is for sure cheating or he has cheated the system. I'm going to say that if I was in the front offices of the NFL, he would be getting tested on the regular. And I'm talking about all the time because you just don't see what he's been able to do in the NFL on a regular basis. So my answer to it comes down to this. Will he stay healthy? If he's healthy, to me, that means he's doing whatever it is he's been doing. He'll still be elite. I don't know if he's going to stay healthy because once you start messing up your back, that's usually a decline from there. Backs don't all of a sudden get better. But if it does miraculously get better, I got to ask the question. And I think some other people might want to as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not really much more to say to that. It makes me kind of think of earlier this offseason, uh, Lane Johnson came out and he said, you guys act like I, I'm Latimer from the program. And that's really the only thing I could liken this situation to. And you just look at the, the rise and, and then decline of, of J.J. Watt. It, it's been so rapid. So I am shocked that there's not more suspicion behind how he just suddenly – made this this rise and this this climb to one of the best defensive players in a, in a stretch ever in, in the game. And now here we are with the injuries, and we all know that what's associated with, with some of the, the guys who just continue to get injured over and over again. And obviously, you know, that's, that's the cheating side of it. So I'm not accusing him of that, but definitely the suspicion should be there because it's just been too rapid of a rise and too rapid of a, a, a fall for him. So we'll see what happens. You, you see, though, I tell you what's interesting. You, you see how, how good this defense was last year without him. So, you know, for a guy to be considered a, a, a multiple defensive player of the year and, and, and a absolute must-have for his team, a defense was still top three last year without him. Mm. This is very true, very true. And, um, yeah, you – all of you guys hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, it doesn't, you know, smell good. It doesn't really pass the smell test, you know, a lot of the times when you look at what's going on with J.J. Watt. Uh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this, but – you know, just to answer the question, it's difficult to say whether he's going to be an elite uh, defensive end. But anytime you start talking about back injuries um, for someone as explosive and someone as big as he is to carry that frame around, constantly be taking contact, it's going to be very difficult. And I just don't see him returning to the status uh, of an elite defensive end, especially next year. I mean, and it makes sense. You know, injury definitely is a concern. And we've definitely gone over just now some of the uh, other concerns. But I want to jump back over to the offensive side of the ball since, you know, J.J. Watt's been the face of this franchise. I think there's a new face of the franchise coming along. My question is, what impact does Deshaun Watson being the starter have on those pieces that had struggles last year in DeAndre Hopkins, 
the now injured Will Fuller and Lamar Miller? I think you look at just from a passing standpoint, Hopkins is going to be able to find the football and get hit in stride. Miller will become much more of a factor. Jalen Strong will be a big piece of this offense as well. And Will Fuller, when he gets healthy, he'll be that deep threat that we saw the Sean Watson work uh, at Clemson when he had a Mike Williams or when he had uh, Martavis Bryant. Um, he'll be able to work deep down the field with those guys. So I, I do believe the passing game will improve. You'll start to see the tight ends look a lot better. Um, Fedora Woods, Griffin Anderson, I, I like a lot. So, And I think because of his athletic ability, and we talked about this before, when you have a mobile quarterback back there in the pocket, the running game will be a huge uh, – the running back will be a huge beneficiary of that. So when you have that combined with the guy that has home run hitting speed in Lamar Miller – it wouldn't surprise me to see Miller have 1,300 yards with like a crazy five and a half yards per carry average because of the fact they have the Sean Watson back there in the pocket. And I and I agree. I think that football was never meant to be a 10 on 11 game. Mm. Um, it was only with the the advent of the the forward pass that football kind of took on this 10 versus 11 where the quarterback was this mythical creature that could not be touched um, on the football field. And and that quarterbacks try I mean, that coaches tried to keep out of harm's way as much as possible. But with this, with the new age of football and um, coaches having no other choice but to at least embrace part of an opportunity to have a quarterback read not only in the passing game, but in the running game as well, it is open back up 11-on-11 football. Deshaun Watson's a guy that you have to account for on defense. And because you have to account for him on defense, you can't just go man-to-man and let everybody drop with the wide receiver and leave him running lanes because if you do, he's going to pick up anywhere 15, 30-plus yards, and he, he'll gash you. That's, that's, that's a mistake that they made with Russell Wilson early on is they just allowed him to run around because they knew that he wanted to be a pocket passer. They didn't respect the fact that if you were going to just let him run, he was going to get rushing yards and, and kill you and get down and not let you touch him. So I think with, you know, bringing it back to an 11 versus an 11 game, um, like Watson and many of these other quarterbacks have done, Mariota um, is doing a great job of it in, in Tennessee. Um, we know what Cam does. We know what Russell Wilson does. We know what RG3 did when he was healthy and given an opportunity. We know what Kaepernick did. We know what um, Aaron Rodgers does. I think he's another one in that line now that's going to be able to tip the scales back to an 11 versus 11, and that means wider running lanes, less men in the box for the running back. That means less men in the um, less men that can go out into coverage for the, for the wide receivers, maybe a little bit wider passing lanes for the quarterback. So I think everybody's going to benefit from that. Yeah, and we, we mentioned over and over again how his athleticism will change the way defenses have to play him, but I think one thing that can't be overlooked is his ability to push the ball down the field with accuracy. That changes completely how defenses play. And looking at uh, DeAndre Hopkins specifically, I think this is going to allow him to get back to being the, the more explosive player that he was when he first got into the league because now you have that guy that could get him the ball down the field in stride and allow him to, to catch it and pull away from the uh, defender. So that's something that's always a good thing for him. So I think that will be a very positive thing for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And then you look at some of the other guys. I mean, obviously, when you can't 
stack the box, you're going to see the running game get better. So it, it's it's good the way this whole thing is happening. And when you look at his ability to, and we kind of talked about it before we, we opened up the show, his ability to, to freelance. You know, this is something that other guys like a, a Ben Roethlisberger or, or, you know, some of these other quarterbacks, they are – praise so much for their ability to extend the play and, and work the QB scramble rules and have the receivers turn up field or move across the field with him. And that's something that, that Deshaun Watson brings to the table. You saw him do it over and over again at Clemson. So he definitely changes the, the way defenses have to look at this offense. So I think it's going to be a plus for everybody, not just the guys we mentioned. I think it's going to be a plus for every single person on that offense, you know, including a Tyler Irvin. I agree with you, Teron. I think we're all saying the same thing. Um, you know, opposing defenses are going to have to play them honest. You know, you can't just have, you know, folks drop back and focus on certain receivers or uh, and you can't just, you know, worry about Lamar Miller. Uh, you got to worry about the quarterback taking off and running. And this is what I do not understand is how he was not, you know, one of the first or was not the first quarterback taken. You see, you see what the guy can do. And all of a sudden, these other quarterbacks just jump up above him, including a Mitch Trubisky. And, you, you know, why would you want some quarterback named Mitsubishi over, uh, <laughs> over Deshaun Watson? Like, I don't understand, you know, what that guy did to deserve, you know, going ahead of him. And so um, I think, you know, the proof, you know, will definitely, you know, cream rises to the top always. And, um, you know, Watson – is going to shine, and he's got an outstanding defense. He could have gone, he couldn't have gone to a better place. He's got offensive weapons. Um, you know, to see a guy like uh, Braxton Miller when he gets out there, you, you're going to have that guy who, who can get a, a ton of yak. You know, when it's all said and done. And as you guys have already pointed out, rushing lanes are much wider when you have a quarterback that can also take off and run it. So while Lamar Miller was here in Miami with Tannehill, he's now with a quarterback who's not afraid to take off and run it. So teams are going to have to be fearful of the quarterback. And then Lamar Miller is dangerous all on his own, you know, with the speed that he possesses. And also the patience and the vision that he has started to see the football field with uh, as of late. You know, he's a much more patient runner these last couple of years. So um, I really look forward to this Texans offense flourishing uh, with Deshaun Watson. You know, in, in order, I'll kind of address each player. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins does not need an elite quarterback. It's been proven that he just needs a competent one. As Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Brian Hoyer were able to have him with high-quality seasons, it's just that Brock Osweiler continuously threw the ball in the dirt. Uh, as far as Will Fuller, it's unfortunate what happened to him, so I'm going to replace him with Braxton Miller. You'll get a lot of pop screens, quick screens, things like that to get the ball in his hands which will help out Deshaun Watson and also put Braxton Miller into the category of being considered the threat we know him to be. And then Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller might end up leading the league in rushing yards this year simply because he's not going to need as many carries as some other guys to get those yards. We've seen the speed, the explosiveness. Again, he was hindered by an ankle issue last year, but also by such horrific quarterback play when you didn't have to respect the pass at all. All right. So what this does is Deshaun Watson actually gets to play with very similar toys to what he had at Clemson. It's actually a very similar offensive skill set to what he had at Clemson with guys like Hopkins mirroring a Mike Williams. Uh, 
having a Braxton Miller mirror someone like Artavis Scott, and then having a running back who can actually do some good damage on the interior and has the speed to, to, to break it. So it's set up to be beneficial for both Watson and the entire skill set core. And I forgot about Fedorowicz. He might have a pretty solid season as well. I mean, with all this talk about Watson, can Watson get them to the Super Bowl as a rookie? I mean, anytime you start talking Super Bowl and you start talking rookies, it's hard to say yes, but we've seen it done. The The blueprint is right up the road, um, if you will. Um, the blueprint's right there in Pittsburgh and what they did with Ben Roethlisberger, his, his rookie year. Um, so... Can he get can he get them to a Super Bowl? Can they can can they can it happen? Yes. Do I think it's gonna happen? No, and for really one reason and one reason only. It's called like the Patriots. So um I think it's gonna be hard to beat the Patriots this year. I think they're better than they were last year. That's a problem for everybody, including the Texans. Um and so while I think it's possible, while I think he has an ability to do so, I just don't think that he can get there because he's going to have to run through some teams that's got some dudes that are pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, I think in a nutshell, the Patriots are are the lone reason. And this is a team that's basically a cheat code, you know, everything that they have, and if Gronkowski could stay healthy. So obviously Watson is going to allow this team to, to be better. There, there's no mistake in that, but it's just hard to see them be able to beat this Patriots team that, you know, has, has uh, beat them before. And I, I just, I, I don't see them being able to, to go into New England and, and win there or even beat them at home. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see them as a playoff team uh, with Watson there and all the weapons that, that are at his disposal, but I do not see them reaching the Super Bowl just yet. But, um, you know, Deshaun Watson has, you know, let's look at his career so far. Started as a freshman at Clemson, you know, leads his team to two national championship games um, and then an eventual championship this past season. So uh, I, I wouldn't put anything past him. I do think a Super Bowl, at least a Super Bowl appearance, is in the cards for him in the near future but I don't foresee him winning the Super Bowl or going to the Super Bowl this year. You know, I should know better than to doubt this kid. As Brandon said, he started as a freshman quarterback in the ACC, and if he didn't get injured, they would have beaten Florida State that year. Right. Cole Stout decided decide to just be ridiculously terrible. Uh, high school, won a state championship, almost beat Alabama, not by himself, but it was a lot of him this first year in the national championship. Last year we saw it happen. So it's hard to doubt a guy who literally has never not lived up to the billing. He's always lived up to it. That being said, you know, the elephant in the room is the Patriots, but I will stick to it. There's another team, and I'm going to put two teams that still have a good chance to beat the Patriots because of the way they're constructed for January football, and that is the Oakland Raiders and the Titans because of that strong offensive line. So there's just too much in the way of the Texans winning a Super Bowl this year. But, hey, Tom Brady can't play forever, and Deshaun Watson's just starting out. So I think he has a great chance of getting this team to the Super Bowl in the future. I'm surprised that all of you guys must have missed the divisional playoff game last year when the Houston Texans forced three turnovers and could not put the ball in the end zone because Brock Osweiler was out there going 23 or 40 for 197 <laughs> yards and three intercepts. So 
You talk about a defense that forced three turnovers in New England, and they could not get the ball in the end zone. They were supposed to be up 14 points at halftime, but they could not capitalize on the two Tom Brady interceptions. And also, the Houston Texans ran really well. Lamar Miller had 17 or 19 carries for 74 yards, so they, they were able to run the ball. They couldn't do anything in the passing game, and the defense forced three turnovers. So I think you add a better quarterback that has played in pressure situations. He played in big game. I mean, now with the whole new change of college football, uh, he played in what? Four playoff games. So he has well, win or go home. So he has that experience. Um, I think he can get them to a Super Bowl. The question will be, can they get uh, – can everybody – if the pieces stay in place – where he can make it happen. But I do think Watson alone definitely makes them a Super Bowl team. Had they had Watson last year over Brock Osweiler, they beat New England. You know, and think about it. You talk about a team that you say will, would have lost to the Raiders, and I do agree. Um, so I don't think New England was that dominant. I just think they, like Brandon said before, they beat you with discipline. And when you're out there going 40 attempts for 197 yards – that's a problem. Three intercepts and taking three sacks. Right. Yeah, you the problem. Now I will say this to jump in. Don't conveniently forget about that week three when they couldn't even get past midfield and the defense let Jacoby Brissett dice them up. <laughs> so the Patriots know what they're doing. And if Deshaun Watson was there, better quarterback, more relevant, but I'm sure they would have game planned and stepped up and played a little bit better. We've seen them do it far too many times. They knew Brock Osweiler wasn't going to win. I mean, we all knew Brock Osweiler wasn't going to win, and luckily we won't have to deal with Brock Osweiler for the tight. I mean, for the Texans this year. Um, but Emory makes a great point. In order for this for this team to be great again, that defense is going to have to um, have another season like they had. And and with that, one of the guys who had a, a I won't say a coming out season, but started to look like the number one overall pick as a defensive end was Jadavian Clowney. My question is, is if he stays healthy, is this the year that Jadavian Clowney ascends to one of those top five level defensive players in the league? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we talked earlier about J.J. Watt and how this defense was successful without him, but now here he is, he's coming back. So I want to see how that works with the attention going back towards J.J. Uh, Watt. I think Clowney will have an opportunity to elevate his game even further. And, I mean, we tend to forget that his first year was was an injury year. So he's still a guy who who's finding his way in this league. Well, he's found his way already, but he's still a guy that's getting more and more familiar with this league. So I think it definitely is an opportunity for him to elevate himself. I think you'll start seeing him, you know, be more of a, a feature piece on this defense as well. So I definitely say yes to that. Uh, I definitely say say yes as well. I mean, he, he's got all of the the skill and the requisite athleticism to make that happen and be a top five uh, defensive end or just defensive player, period. Um, I, I just think the world of Jadavian Clowney, I mean, you don't see athletes come around like him at that position. Uh, for all the talk of Miles Garrett, uh, you know, he doesn't hold a candle to what Jadavian Clowney was coming out and he just I mean I, I don't have Miles Garrett anywhere close to what this kid was and I just think that the injuries of course held him back 
And if he is indeed healthy this year, I think the sky's the limit. He can just become one of the best uh, to, to ever do it. He's got that much ability. Uh, the potential is definitely there. And <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Miles Garrett thing. Yeah, not even in the same boat. Uh, sorry, Browns fans. Right. But let's move forward. Uh, Jadavion Clowney has top five potential, period. He's, he might have some of the best athleticism for a front seven guy in the NFL. But – is this the year he becomes a top five guy? No. The reason I say that is Jadavion Clowney still needs to learn how to be more of a tactician while playing that position. He's still not going to be Von Miller or Khalil Mack or any of those guys. He'll be a damn good player, and this will be a good stepping stone for him. But being a top five player on defense in the entire NFL, that's a lofty goal for a guy who still has holes in his game. Yeah, what's interesting, the, the, the networks will definitely make him a top five defensive player in the league. They've already made a certain quarterback in the NFC East a pro bowler. So um, if MVP, it's up to the MVP, 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 and if it's up to the, they will pr- promote him to where you see how if he gets one, if he makes one play, it's looped for the entire week until the next game. And they'll show it from 40 different angles. So, you know, I think, will he be better than he was last year? I think he'll be a little bit about the same. But I look at a guy that, like Chris said, still has some technical issues to work out. Um, hadn't crossed over that double-digit sack territory uh, as you would have hoped, uh, t- considering the hype that he had coming out. I still see the same guy that he was in high school. You know, he was still beating people with athleticism, um, his, his explosiveness off the ball. Now, if he ever becomes a smarter player as far as finding the football and using his hands, combined with that athleticism – Oh my God! Yeah, he can definitely make some plays. But if he couldn't do it at South Carolina, with that great coaching staff that they had down there, pumping out those projects like uh, Melvin Ingram, Delvin Taylor, Casey, uh, Kelsey Quarles, so you know they were getting great uh, coaching. I, I just don't understand. I just don't think that he has the the football IQ to really turn it on and become a dominant player. He's going to be you know, a guy that's going to kind of average that, what, six to nine, maybe 10 sacks a year, but be very disruptive, but not really make a lot of plays, but still be disruptive. So I don't think he'll be a top five player in the league, but the media will definitely have him as a top five defensive player. That's an interesting look, Emory. And and I, I can't dispel anything that you're saying about him. Who he is is who he's been. Um, I will, I will look and, and do something that I, that I, I fret, but I have to look at him. He's 23 years old. He's 23, and he's already played three NFL seasons. Like, when you think about that and you think about the fact that he probably hasn't reached his athletic peak yet, I know that I was not at my athletic peak at 23 years old. I probably hit my athletic peak around 26. And so if you're looking at with him having – access to all of this technology and all of this coaching and being with some of the, you know, some of the best coaches and being on a defense where now with the return of JJ Watt um, as a guy who has a motor who continues to run and will definitely um, you'll definitely need to pay attention to what he does. If some of that JJ Watt motor can run up, can rub off on him because I actually think that it's less about technique um, because you only really, as a defensive end, you only really have to be disruptive three to five times a game. And so if he can get that motor up where he's getting 
one to two sacks a game um or one to two sacks um every 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 other game and and a bunch of hurries he went from 27 tackles in his sophomore year i mean his second year excuse me to 40 tackles in his third year so i look at that that increase in numbers of tackles and i go this dude has an opportunity to rise now will he ascend to that top five level i i I'm inclined to say yes with the return of J.J. Watt because I think that he becomes what J.J. Watt was, and now J.J. Watt becomes a guy who's probably going to be good for that eight to ten sacks while while Clowney's over there getting 15. I think if he has less than double-digit sacks this year, that is a disappointing season for J.J. Watt. I mean, for um, Jadavion Clowney. And I know that that's saying a lot because a lot of people don't get double-digit sacks. But I just think that from what he brings to the table athletically and what he's playing with around him, minus obviously, minus Vince Wilford leaving, that's going to hurt. But they'll, they'll make that plug in. I think it's, it's, it's inevitable for him to reach that double-digit sack um, level. And it just really depends on is it 10, is it 15, or does he hit that magical number where some of these elites have been hitting where it's like 18 to 20. Yeah, first for him to get to 20, he or even double digit, he has to change his nickname. I'm looking at it right now. His nickname is Doo-Doo. That's not the nickname that you want, you know, uh, <laughs> as a football player. You don't want to be known as Doo-Doo. So uh, other point I want to make before we move on to picks, um, the two teams that beat New England last year, Buffalo and Seattle, and we both know what they have in common at the quarterback position, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, hey, hey, keep, hey, keep pushing that agenda. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, let's go around and get some picks for the Houston Texans in the AFC South, starting with you, Teron. Yeah, I think they could actually win this division. I, I, I think it's, it's theirs for the taking, and I have them finishing first. And it's just they get solid quarterback play from Watson, and it, that mix it with that defense, and they definitely have the – the uh, makeup to to be tops in the AFC South. I totally agree with you there, Teron. I mean, it's just, you know, they, they have the ability there to play some outstanding complimentary football, talking about a, a top three defense. Uh, also with, uh, you know, nobody is going to know exactly what Deshaun Watson is going to give you, but you just know it's going to be very much improved quarterback play and the weapons are going to get the football. It's going to be distributed around to the, to the weapons fairly uh, evenly. And um, then the running game is just going to be that much more potent. So, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit this year for the Texans. I have them finishing second. And that's not an insult to the Texans. I actually think it's just more of a compliment to their schedule being difficult compared to uh, another team in their division that we'll get to later. But finishing second, still floating around that 10 win mark. I think that's a good season, especially with the rookie quarterback and some of the unrest they had from last season's debacle. Yeah, I, I, man, it's hard for me to say that defense uh, with an improved quarterback play is going to finish second, um, so I won't. I'm going to say they'll finish first. I think it'll be really, really close between them and another team we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, almost maybe a game separation, so they could easily be second. I think both of those teams will be fighting for a playoff berth, um, and it'll matter about what happens out in the West because I believe that um, the, 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 the AFC East is going to be trash with the exception of, well, not trash, but not 
playoff worthy with the exception of the Patriots. Some good stuff right there, guys. And that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. So for Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. <laughs>